Hi there. You are listening to a message recorded by High Point Life. To listen to more messages and to find out more about our church, head over to our website at highpointlife.com. Uh, it's always a blessing to be here. This is like second home for me. Uh, so many familiar faces here. Uh, it feels like family. So once again, thank you for having me. Thank you to the leadership. Pastor Stephen is not here. He called me this morning, early morning, to say that, you know, he's backsliding today. He's not coming to church. No, I'm kidding. He's ministering in, in churches, bringing the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit into churches in PJ. Yeah. So uh, uh, really uh, blessed to be here. And uh, today being uh, Pentecost, needless to say, I'll be sharing a little bit on the Holy Spirit. The title of my message is The Spirit-Led Life. Like I said, today is uh, regarded as the birthday of the church, the day the Holy Spirit was poured out upon mankind, fulfilling the prophecy of the Old Testament, where uh, the prophecy of the prophet Joel, where he says, in the last days, I'll pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Today, we are living in that last days where the Spirit has been poured out on all flesh, not some flesh, not just, ho- just the holy good flesh, on all flesh. All of us who have put our faith in Jesus have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, have received the Holy Spirit. So Jesus, before He, were, he ascended into heaven, He prepared His disciples. He spoke to them and He said, but now I go away to him who sent me. This is John chapter 16, verse 5 to 15. It says, But now I go away to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, Where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However... When He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth, for He will not speak of His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will tell you of things to come. He will glorify Me, and He will take of what is, what is Mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are Mine. Therefore, I said He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. So Jesus is uh, preparing His disciples and telling them about the coming Holy Spirit, the Helper. And at that point, He had not yet come. But I said, like today, we are living in that time where the Holy Spirit is on the earth. Uh, Jesus is talking about this Helper that is going to come and He's going to be going away. You know, I've heard people say many times, oh, how wonderful it would be if uh, Jesus was with us right now. We can walk with Him, talk with Him, hang out with Him, go have uh, meals with Him. Uh, and you know, oh, some would say, how nice it would be if I was around when Jesus walked the earth. If I could be among His followers, among His, his disciples who walked with Jesus all those years ago, my life would be so different. 
I, I would have seen him uh, in the flesh, you know, and, and you, you don't have to worry about anything and anything, you know, I, uh, Clarence, you worried about uh, your income tax is due, you know, you worried about your income tax payment, never mind. You go to Jaya Grocer, you buy the first tengiri fish that you see and you bring it home and when you cut that fish, there will be a check with your name on it and you to go and cash in that check and, and, and pay off your income tax. How nice. Oh, Nasilama in church is running out. Jesus, how? Jesus, Sambal finishing, Ikan Bliss finishing. Bring it to me. And we bring that pot and that Ikan Bliss and he gives thanks. And next thing you know, the Ikan Bliss is multiplying. And the Sambal is not finishing. And you can feed the church. and can feed the thousand people that are coming next door as well. And still, you got Sambal for the next 12 weeks. All of us would have loved to be in that position uh, the disciples were in. Oh, think about it. We would have, we, in fact, we won't even need faith for our journey with God because we would literally be journeying with God, walking with God. So the disciples had it good. It was a good life, so to speak, when they had Jesus walking the earth with them. I mean, that's what we would think. But Jesus knew something that they didn't because... He said, in verse 7, John 16, verse 7, He said, It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send Him to you. So He's saying to the disciples, Yes, you guys are, are sad. Yes, you will miss Me. But Me going away is going to be better for you. Because when I go, I will be in the position to send you the Helper or the Holy Spirit, and that's going to be a much better arrangement for you. So basically what he was saying to them, or what we can glean from what he was saying to them is the, the indwelling Spirit of Jesus, what we have today, the Spirit who dwells with us and is in us, is far better than what they had back then when they were walking with Jesus in the flesh. Because when you think about it, Jesus in his physical form was restricted. He was limited. God in the flesh could only operate within the limitations, the confines of the human body. Jesus could only be in one place at one time. He could only exert an external influence on his disciples. He could guide them. He could teach them. He could reveal the truth to them, but he couldn't change their hearts. He couldn't go on the inside of them and transform their hearts, open the eyes of their understanding. And that is why the disciples, even though they were with Jesus for that many years, they still didn't get a lot of what he taught. They didn't understand what he was teaching. Their attitudes and their minds were still very carnal. They still argued about position. They argued about power. Uh, they, they wanted, you know, see who's going to be first. And, you know, they were still greedy. Uh, they were still prideful. They still struggled with all those things. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit moved them from having God with them to God within them. And you see the tremendous change in their lives in the lives of the disciples after the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Their lives, their attitudes, their thinking, everything about them was transformed. These, these, these disciples who didn't understand a lot of what Jesus was teaching when he, they were with Him are now traveling the world, going all over and preaching the gospel in, with supernatural revelation and power, something that they could not do back then. 
They traveled all over, spread the gospel. This Peter who denied Jesus, who didn't understand a lot of what Jesus was saying, on when the, the day the Holy Spirit was given to him, the day the Holy Spirit, the day of Pentecost, he steps out and he preaches to a large crowd the gospel of the kingdom and 3,000 people get saved. What changed? The Holy Spirit made all the difference. They now had not the power of God with them externally, but they had the power of God within them. The Holy Spirit made the difference. So Jesus says in John 14, 16, I will pray the Father, He will give you another helper that He may abide with you forever. He's the one abiding with us forever. The Spirit of truth, the world cannot receive. It neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him for He dwells with you and will be in you. And the word Helper is translated from the Greek. I'm sure you would know parakletos, meaning a legal advocate, a counsel, like a defense attorney, uh, an intercessor, someone who helps, someone who counsels. All of these are not just titles or translations of that word. They are the roles that God's Spirit plays in our lives. When Jesus went to sit at the right hand of the Father, He ushered in a new season for the believers. In the, in the Old Testament, we see God the Father at center stage. In the New Testament, during the time of uh, the Gospels were written, you see, uh, not the Gospels were written, but during the time uh, of Jesus, Jesus, God the Son, was in center stage. But when Jesus ascended into heaven, He passed the baton, so to speak, to the Holy Spirit. And today, you and I are living in the era of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is at center stage on the earth at this point. Today, we have God on a personal journey with us by His Holy Spirit. He is the one with us today, communicating with us, leading us, guiding us as we go through life. But here's the challenge. The thing is, it's easy to relate to God as the Father. Because uh, we have a frame of reference of what that relationship can be like uh, or how to kind of uh, relate to a father-child relationship. Embracing that truth is easy. We can also relate to God as a son. That's easy as well because uh, we understand what it is to have Jesus Christ as Lord. The Son of God is clearly defined in Scripture, His role in our lives. So we get that easily. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, it is not that simple. We don't have a clear frame of reference. So we, we skirt around this relationship with the Holy Spirit, not sure how to relate to or even grow in our walk with Him, in our relationship with Him. Yet the Scripture says that the, the role that the Holy Spirit plays in our lives is so important. In fact, it defines us as children of God. Romans 8.14 says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Those who are led by the Spirit of God, if you are led by the Spirit of God, the defining factor of you being a child of God is the reality that you are led by God's Spirit, that you are living a Spirit-led life. And no much has been said about Christians living a Spirit-led life. I think we understand the concept, but... Um, Many are not clear on the outworking of it because it can sound very mystical. We think, you know, when we're walking here, we'll suddenly hear a voice, don't go there. And then you'll turn, don't eat the bakute, eat the cereals, you know. Okay, Holy Spirit. Yeah, and we look for that kind of a mystical 
experience and, and a lot of people will say, I don't hear God. I don't hear the Holy Spirit speaking to me. And the Holy Spirit speaks or ministers to each of you differently. How many of you have done the five love languages? You know, as couples, I think most of us have, have, have done it. So you know that your spouse has a love language and you need to speak to your spouse not in your love language but in her love language or his love language. The Holy Spirit knows your love language. So He speaks to each of us differently. Some people get visions, some people He speaks through the Word. You know, some people they hear, they get a still small voice and primarily He speaks to everyone. This is a default through the Word of God. So all of us have the Holy Spirit with us. He's leading us and it's not as complicated. So I want to talk about some of the fundamentals of a spirit-led life. If you get these fundamentals down, if you are well on your way to going to the next level in your relationship with the Holy Spirit. The first thing we need to understand is the Holy Spirit is a person. He is the third person of the Trinity. He's not just a power. He's not like something like the force in Star Wars, you know, where they say, use the force. No, you don't use the Holy Spirit like you use the force. Uh, we, we grow in our relationship with Him. He's not just an influence. He is a personality. He is a person. He has a personality. He speaks. He feels. In fact, Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as He, not it. In John 14, verse 26, he says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things. In John 16, verse 13, he says, However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth, for He will not speak of His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will tell you of things to come. He will glorify me, and He will take of what is mine and declare it to you. So, Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as a person, as a he. And the Holy Spirit is described in Scripture as one who is able to teach us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 13, These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. Holy Spirit can teach us. The Holy Spirit is described as one with the ability to speak to us. Acts 8, verse 29, The Spirit said to, said to Philip, Go near and overtake the char chariot. He spoke to Philip. Acts 13 verse 2. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called him. The disciples could hear and could know what the Holy Spirit was saying to them, so they led spirit-led lives. The Scripture says the Holy Spirit can judge our decisions. Acts 15 verse 28, after that first Jerusalem council, uh, they said it, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Good to the Holy Spirit. That means Holy Spirit shared their, His opinion. He judged their decision. Yes, yeah, that's a good decision. He has feelings just as Jesus had feelings and can be grieved. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption, which means we can live our lives in a way where we can actually grieve God's Spirit. The Holy Spirit can forbid us from taking certain actions. Acts 16 verse 6, Now when they had gone through Phrygia, the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they had come to Mysia, they tried to go to Bithynia, 
but the Spirit did not permit them. And I can go on with this, but you get the point. The Holy Spirit is a personality. He is God and He is with us. And when you read the accounts of the disciples after Jesus goes away, when you see how the first church was, was birthed and how they operated, the disciples lived by the guidance, the leading in relationship with the Holy Spirit. Every decision that they made, every move that they made was by the leading of the Spirit. They led Spirit-led lives. Once Peter and John were threatened by the religious leaders not to speak of this Jesus anymore, don't preach about him anymore, don't, don't corrupt the, the people, the minds of the people of the land. And the disciples go back and they gather and they pray and, and they cry out to God, this, this is your prayer, Lord, look at their threats, grant to your servants that with all boldness that they may speak your word by stretching your hands to heal that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they had assembled together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. But here's the thing, notice um, they never prayed for more of the Holy Spirit, which is a common prayer that we in churches pray for. They were not filled again in Acts chapter 4 because they asked for more of the Holy Spirit. They were filled again because they asked for boldness to minister in the midst of danger and persecution. And God responded to their prayer. His response to their prayer was to fill them again with His presence. And throughout Scripture, the epistles, there's actually no direction on getting more of the Holy Spirit. But there is encouragement and instruction on living a life in more surrender and obedience to the Holy Spirit that we have. And we need to get this, the same Holy Spirit that the disciples had, you have with you. Because the same Jesus that filled them, filled you. You were not given a junior Holy Spirit you're not given a mini-me version of the Holy Spirit. You have the same Holy Spirit, same Jesus through whom we put our faith in and receive. It's the same Jesus that they put their faith in and they received. But if our experiences with the Holy Spirit are different, we need to ask ourselves, where does the difference lie? If it's not with God, then maybe, maybe, maybe it's with us. Maybe something must shift in our understanding. And uh, we need to get this. Your experiences with the Holy Spirit is not determined by how special you are. It is determined by how surrendered you are. And I do believe it's time for us as the church to change our question from how can I have more of the Holy Spirit to how can the Holy Spirit have more of me. Amen? Stop thinking of what I will do when I receive that supernatural baptism, that power of the Holy Spirit, but start taking action, start building your relationship with the Holy Spirit that is within you even right now. So how do I live a surrendered life? How do I grow in my relationship with the Holy Spirit? Firstly, important point, basic but very important, live a life with a consciousness or an awareness of His presence that with an awareness of the reality that you have Him with you. Like I said, you have the Holy Spirit with you as sure as the disciples had the Holy Spirit with them. 
The scripture says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, and when you believed Christ, He identified you as His own. How? By giving you the Holy Spirit. The moment you believe in Jesus, the Holy Spirit is given to you. Amen? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17, but He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with Him. You are joined to the Lord through faith in Jesus Christ. So let us learn to live, operate, pray from that truth. We are one spirit with God. You are joined with Him. Go through your day mindful of His presence with you. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6, sorry, in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. In fact, Paul signs off his uh, letter to the church in Corinth like this. He says, in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14, he says, May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So here's the thing. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, grace, as you all know, we do nothing on our part to earn it. It is a free gift from God. It's, we get it simply because of the goodness of God through Jesus Christ for us. So we do nothing to earn grace, nothing we have to do. And then you have made the love of the Father or the love of God. Even love, the love of the Father is purely dependent on not how good we are, but on how good He is. All we can do for grace and love is to go into a position of faith to receive. That's all. We do nothing to earn it. We do nothing to twist God's arm to give it to us. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, He doesn't say, may the presence of the Holy Spirit be with you. If He said, may the presence of the Holy Spirit be with you, then it's just nothing much to do on our part. It's all dependent on His presence. When it comes to the Holy Spirit, He says, may the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. And if you know anything about fellowship, fellowship requires two. It requires a conscious effort on both parties. You cannot have fellowship if only one person wants to fellowship. It requires both of you. Another translation says, may the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you. Communion is is defined as, as sharing and exchanging of your intimate thoughts and your feelings, and uh, especially on a mental, emotional, spiritual level. So may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, may the love of God, like I say, we do nothing to receive grace and love, but fellowship, you and I play a role. Let me, let me, let me give you an example. Uh, maybe I'll call Pastor Dinesh to join me on stage. So Pastor Dinesh is going to be my, our, our Holy Spirit today. So, so we go through our lives with the Holy Spirit with us. You all know that, right? He never leaves us, no forsakes us. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's with us. Jesus said He will be with you all the days of your life. So we go through our lives with the Holy Spirit. No, we go to, we go to work. We, go to, we, we eat. We face problems. Is the Holy Spirit there? We stumble and fall. <laughs> Holy Spirit doesn't stumble and fall, but can. Okay. Is the Holy Spirit there? Did He leave because I fell or I stumbled? 
His presence is with me, right? So many of us go through our days understanding this theologically. He never leaves us. He's with us all the time. Holy Spirit is with us all the time. But we don't go through our days with a consciousness of His presence, with an awareness of His presence with us. So the thing is, we, have, uh, we don't have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. We know He's there. We understand it, like I said, on a theological level. But we do not have the experiential reality of, of this relationship. So we don't have, you know, we've got, we got presence without fellowship. But the Holy Spirit wants us to have fellowship. Made a fellowship. And fellowship means like this. So now I go to work. I'm facing this challenge. How, what do you think I should do? So I interact with the Holy Spirit. I get His guidance. I'm meeting my friends. That's going to meet my friends, Holy Spirit. I'm listening to Him. What is He saying? I'm chatting with Him. I'm facing a problem. I'm counseling someone at church. While I'm sitting, I'm communing with, with Him. That is fellowship. Thank you, Pastor Dinesh. Let's give Pastor Dinesh a... So the Bible says we should walk in communion with the Holy Spirit. Like I said, we, many of us know as a theological fact that, okay, we, we have the Holy Spirit with us, He never leaves us, but we do not live our life with that experiential reality. You can and, and you must spend time interacting with the Holy Spirit. We can go through our whole day without even aware, being aware of His presence. Ignoring Him the whole day, except just before the meal, Holy Spirit, bless this food. <laughs> and then we are back to our days. You need to understand, He is with you. So the moment you enter into a challenge, you enter into a problem, you enter into a, a, a circumstance that is difficult, you need to know you're not entering into it alone. God has just entered the situation because you stepped into that situation. God has just revealed Himself through you. You can speak to Him. I often do this. I speak to the Holy Spirit while I'm counseling people, while I'm talking to people. I'm thinking, well, how do I deal with this? And the Holy Spirit will drop ideas and, and things in your heart and your mind, and you're able to, to kind of navigate difficult situations simply because you're aware of His presence with you. So understanding that should influence how we pray. When we pray, you are not praying to connect with God. You are praying from connection with God. Understanding that sometimes, you know, we, we pray from a perspective that we, we need to pray to get God's attention. Then only the Holy Spirit comes and He listens to us. So we spend the first portion of our prayer doing things, saying things which we think we need to do to get God's attention. You don't need to get, God, get God's attention. You have His attention. The Scripture says, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and His ears are open uh, to their cry. So God's position towards you is like this. You have His attention. When Jesus taught His disciples how to pray, He didn't say, pray like this. For the first three minutes, you need to, or the first three minutes, or then you must, say, you must get God to notice you. Oh, Heavenly Father, Your humble servant comes before You. Oh, incline Thine ear to, your, to our cry, to our prayer. No, He doesn't say that. He says, when you pray, pray like this. 
our Father who art. Immediate connection. The moment you focus on Him, the moment you pay attention to Him, the moment you mention our Father, immediately He's hearing. You know, sometimes we think we need to shout to shock God into, into hearing our prayers. Now, out of my four sons, I've got, uh, like I mentioned, I've got four sons. Uh, my number three, his name is Judah, aptly named, but he's, uh, he's the loudest. His, his normal volume is a couple of uh, decibels higher than the average child. So he could be right next to me in the car, sitting behind me, and go, Dad, Dad, you know, this. So I always have to remind him, Judah, why are you shouting? I am right next to you. You don't have to speak so loud. You don't have to shout. I can hear you. You have my attention. I can hear you very clearly. Then he will, he will reduce his volume and say, okay, okay, Dad. So anyway, you know, he'll start talking. And, and one of the reasons I think he shouts is because he doesn't understand proximity. He's not conscious of, of proximity. You know, understanding our proximity with God is the key to an unstrained prayer life. Amen? He's the friend that sticks closer than a brother. And, and, and I do believe that God wants us to understand this morning how close He is to you. So close. He's actually within you. You know, many times we, we can pray from the flesh, from desperation, because we don't understand our oneness with God. Maybe if I, if I shout louder, jump higher, maybe if I lift my hands higher. Listen, all those expressions of worship is great, fine. If we understand that we are not doing those things to try to work out a connection with God, we are celebrating the fact that we have a connection with God. Your connection with God never drops the line is not managed by Maxis or, or, or Unified, thank God. He hears your smallest whisper, your cry, your, your sigh. He hears it all. I like the scripture that says He collects our tears. Your smallest prayer, in your weakest moment, He is there with you. So you need to know this. Know that when you pray, you are not praying to a temple. You're not praying to the dwelling place of God. You're praying in the temple, in the dwelling place of God. Because the scripture says, you should know, don't you know that you are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you. That's why Paul could tell us to do something as ridiculous as pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. That's in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. Pray without ceasing. What do you mean pray without ceasing, Paul? Like constantly have to talk to people. Hello, hello, praise the Lord. No. He's saying it is God's will for us to pray without ceasing, and that is only possible if you walk with the awareness that God is in you. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. If I go through my day with that awareness, then my every thought can become an interaction with God. I can be in communion with the Holy Spirit when I'm driving, when I'm hanging out with my friends, when I'm out shopping, when I'm having breakfast, I can be in constant communion 
with God, with the Holy Spirit. And when you walk in that awareness, you start to understand how easy it is to pray without ceasing. You grow in your intimacy and relationship with Him. You become more sensitive to His thoughts and to His leading. The Holy Spirit is only, God is only a thought away for you. The moment you become aware, close your eyes. You don't have to close your eyes, but just for this, close your eyes. Become aware of His presence. He's not up here. He's within you. He's with you, within you. Just become aware of His presence. Say, thank you, Holy Spirit. Love you, Holy Spirit. See, it's as simple as that. You can open your eyes now. Some of you are going to fall asleep. I saw that. I saw someone yawning. That's how simple it is. And you can become, you can have that awareness wherever you are. Amen? The second thing about growing, a, uh, getting into a spirit-led life, another thing you must develop for, to develop our relationship with the Holy Spirit, we need to fill ourselves with the Word of God. He says, when the Helper comes, John 14, verse 26, when the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, comes, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance, everybody say remembrance, all things that I've said to you. Note that Jesus says He will teach you and bring to your remembrance all things I have said to you. Uh, he will bring to your remembrance the words of Jesus. The words of Jesus are found in Scripture, and the Scriptures are the primary vocabulary of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will speak to you mainly through Scripture. Note that it says, He will bring to remembrance, not He will bring to appearance. That's the difference. That means the Scripture is not going to magically appear in your head. But the Holy Spirit will cause you to remember or recall. And for you to remember something simply means that you must have encountered that thing before. If you do not encounter the words of Jesus found in Scripture, the Holy Spirit cannot make us remember something that we have never encountered. The most direction I have got for my life to plant a church, when to leave Australia, to come back was from the Holy Spirit speaking to me through Scripture. And that's His primary vocabulary. And this is so important because many people claim to hear the Holy Spirit apart from Scriptures. There's a guy I know who will send me all kinds of things about the future and this and that, and he'll proudly say, Pastor, I don't know the Bible. I never read the Bible one. This one, God, God reveals to me, and half of what He says, three-quarter of what He says, rubbish. But I just kind of, mm, okay, so you need to read the Word. You need to find someone to teach you the Word. So there are a lot of people who will claim to hear, Holy Spirit said this, Holy Spirit said that, but it contradicts Scripture. The Holy Spirit will never contradict Scripture. The Word of God is the lens through which we view every revelation, every prophecy, every word that we receive. That's why we need to feed ourselves with the Word. The more we feed on the Word, the greater communion we develop with the Holy Spirit. Basically, we are giving the Holy Spirit more language to communicate with us through. He works with the Word, 
He works through the Word. He uses the Word to transform you. And when you feed yourself with the Word, like I said, you give the Holy Spirit a greater say in your life. The voice of the Holy Spirit becomes louder, becomes stronger within you. Spend time daily. If possible, get into a Bible reading plan. You know, if you, you don't have to read chapters. You know, sometimes we put pressure on ourselves. You know, I want to do the Bible one year. The Bible in one year. You, you finish it at the end of the year, but you cannot remember three-quarters of what you read. You know, don't, don't read, read for, for quantity's sake. Read for quality. You know, uh, not, it's not about what I can accomplish in the Word. It's about what the Word can accomplish in me as I expose myself to the Word. You know, sometimes I read just one portion of Scripture and I find God ministering to me to one, so I stay on that. Sometimes it's a whole chapter. But read the Holy Spirit, uh, read the, the Bible with the intention of getting to know God better, getting to know His Word, not just to finish reading the Bible in one year. Amen? And when you get a prompting or instruction from the Holy Spirit, even the slightest prompt, obey. You and I have the capacity to live obedient lives. God revealed His will to us through the prophet a long time ago. He said, I will, in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26, I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart, give you a tender, responsive heart. I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, now how much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You know, many times we, they stop reading there. It's a work out your salvation with fear and trembling, and we think it's about what we must do. But the very next line is important. For it is God who works in you to both to will and to do for His good pleasure. Basically, it's telling you cooperate with what God is doing in you. God is working within you. Cooperate with the Holy Spirit in your life. He is giving you the will and, and the desire to live for God, to fulfill the things that God has put in your heart, the plans that He has for you. And as you cooperate with what God is doing within you, saying to you, you will see your relationship with Him go to the next level. The disciples surrendered themselves to the guidance of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit forbade them, they stopped. When the Holy Spirit gave them the green light, they moved on. They did things. Even when they were going to choose leaders, they waited to hear from the Holy Spirit. They fasted, prayed, and they waited to hear from the Holy Spirit. And needless to say, we will make mistakes. We will stumble. Like I said earlier, we will fall. The Holy Spirit is a personality. He can be grieved. Can I have the pianist uh, back? Yeah, thanks. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, he says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So we can grieve the Holy Spirit. But the good news is, God has put in place a mechanism which allows us to step into immediate restoration with our, in our relationship with Him. First John chapter 1, verse 8 to 10, says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. All of us sin. All. 
but the truth and the truth is not in us if we say we do not have sin but if we confess our sins he said he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness so we all need forgiveness god is not shaken by your struggles or your sin he doesn't move away the holy spirit you are the temple of the holy spirit it doesn't the moment you stumble you fall it doesn't mean the holy spirit i don't want this temple are very dirty i'm going to leave jesus says he will be with us even to the end of days he will never leave you nor forsake you god put in place that whole mechanism why the holy spirit can continue to live in us is because of the finished work of jesus at the cross all your sins past present future dealt with under the blood you are you are righteous as you stand before him we are the righteousness of god in christ jesus all dealt with so don't let your struggles your sin keep you from growing in your relationship with god and god knows we'll stumble that's why he says my my mercies are new every day he didn't say his mercies are new once a year because he knows we're going to need his mercy every day every morning so he dealt with that and he put in place a mechanism for us so if we sin if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us of all our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness the only sin that can stain us is the sin that we do not want to bring before god that we are holding on to that we think is too big is too bad is too ugly for god god's disappointed with me no god's just waiting for you to hey bring it before him say god i messed up i want this grace cleanse me even as your word says i want to receive everything i want to live in the reality of what christ did for me keep short accounts with god don't hold on to it a lot of people like to hold on wait 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 the longer you hold on to it next thing you know you don't want to pray already because you think god's upset with you god's angry with you i don't want to pray lah or i don't want to read the bible because i'm unworthy you were never worthy in the first place jesus christ is worthy and our confidence is in him bring it before god forgiveness comes through that confession acknowledging that we didn't just sin but we grieved him and the holy spirit forgives us as we bring our failures to him if it's a daily struggle confess daily like i said keep short accounts with god no sin that you struggle with is greater than the power of god's redemption god's forgiveness god's ability to make us righteous and when you stay in that place you keep coming keep coming for forgiveness you might think oh no but i know i just did this you know i asked for forgiveness and i stumbled again no just keep coming his mercies are new every day every morning keep coming and before before you know it after a while you start to change you're submitting to the holy spirit and the holy spirit strengthens you he's not just there to kind of you know give you goosebumps every now and then he is there he's at work in your life he is at work in your life he's strengthening you amen Come on let's stand. So three simple points. 
walk with a consciousness that you are His temple, that He lives on the inside of you. I, I make this a practice daily because it's so easy to forget. Because we don't see Him. We don't, you know, sometimes we don't, we're not aware. So I say to myself, I am the temple of the living God. Come on, say, I am the temple of the living God. God lives in me. When I enter the room, the atmosphere changes. For God has just entered the room. Think about it. In the Old Testament, they had an ark that housed the presence of God. Wherever the ark went, the glory of God filled that space. People were blessed. The enemies were defeated. Today, there is no ark. Today, you and I are the little arcs of the presence of God. That means the same realities can happen through our lives. You don't need to go to a particular place to experience a particular at atmosphere to experience the presence of God. You carry the atmosphere of heaven on the inside of you. If you don't like the atmosphere in your workplace, in your college, in your home, wherever it is, if you're not comfortable with that atmosphere, you don't like the atmosphere, you know what? You should change it in Jesus' name. God has just entered that office through you. God has just entered that, that family situation through you. God has just entered that home through you. The circumstances has to respond, respond to the presence of God. Amen? Feed on the Word. Know the Word because that's primarily how He will speak to you. And as you spend time with the Word, like I said, as you spend time, it's not just about finishing my reading for the day. It's about allowing the Word to minister to you. Say, Holy Spirit, what do you want to teach me, show me, speak to me about today? Then read the Word and the Word becomes alive and live a transparent, repentant life before God.